But before Faith comes up, Abby's going to come and read from God's word for us. Amazing. Thank you so much, Abby. And then, and then I think, you know, another round of applause for Faith when she comes out. It's quite, it's, it's right on. So there we go. Thanks. We are in Acts 17, verse 16 to 25. And it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in, market, in the marketplace day by, by day with those who happened to be there. A, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because God was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Aeropagus, where they said to him, may we, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Aeropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. This is the word of the, go of go of the Lord. <laughs> Got there in the end. Thanks, Evie. So I, um, when I picked that reading, I was really, really grateful that Gareth was like, don't worry, I'll find someone to read it because I was like, there's a lot of words in there that I definitely don't know how to say. So thanks for taking one for the team, Abby. Um, good morning, everyone. Right, as Gareth said, my name is Faith and I have the absolute joy of being on staff here at Bay Church. I'm the worship production and creative pastor, which sounds super exciting. And let me tell you, it is really great. I flipping love it. It's like the best job I've ever had. And some days I wake up and think, this is my job. I just get to come in, hang out with fun people, take cool pictures, design stuff. I mean, it's just, it's great. Any one of you, if you want to work at a church, work at Bay Church, because it's great. Um, good, sorry, slight distraction. Right, you might have noticed. Has anyone noticed that someone's not here today? Matt Bray is not here today. So I just want to lay out some ground rules. When he comes to you next week, and if he says to you, Hey, how is Faith's talk? I just want to remind you right now that we are a people of encouragement. We are a people who build each other up and we are a positive people, right? So yeah, and if this all goes horribly wrong, I'm in charge of editing the video, so he never ever has to know, okay? So what happens here this morning stays here this morning, unless it's great, in which case share it as much as you like. Good. Right, as your worship pastor, it shouldn't come as a massive surprise that I really love worship. I love nothing more than spending time in God's presence, especially with music. Um, and as a side note, we do a thing here called Kingdom Come, which is a monthly evening of like worship and prayer. We had it last week. And Pete, how was it last week? Right? People didn't want to go home. It was so good. I didn't want to go home. We kind of finished officially at half eight and I turned to Gaz and I was like, I don't want to go home. 
Not because home isn't great, by the way, but just because God's presence is better. <laughs> and we ended up staying until about half nine, and it was just the most precious time. It was everything you expect time in God's presence to be. It was peaceful. It was encouraging. It was refreshing. It was just great. So I could have stayed all, all night, and I just want to take this moment to personally invite each and every one of you to come to Kingdom Come. The next one is, I don't know what date. It'll be on the calendar, though. You can check the calendar at the back. I can't remember what date it is, but it's brilliant, and I promise you, you won't regret it. So last week, Matt finished up a really powerful mini-series on breakthrough, and he, if you missed it, I highly recommend you check it out online because it, it was really good. Um, he spoke specifically about devotion last week. And so off the back of that, I'm going to talk to you about the big surprise, worship. Worship, what a mic. So <laughs> last weekend, I found myself in a situation which I still am not entirely sure how it happened or how I ended up there. Um, but in a moment of sacrificial parenting, I found myself taking my middle son to a place called AnimeCon. See, there's some titters of laughter like you guys know and should have told me beforehand, don't do it. No. Now, some of you might be thinking, what on earth is AnimeCon? And having been, having spent the entire weekend there, I would like to tell you that I still don't know. <laughs> it's not clear, but Hudson had the best time of his life. But I followed him around, literally followed him around, just like, I don't know what's happening. There was a lot of color, which if you know me, isn't really my bag. Um, it was very bright. There was just a lot going on. Some of it not clear as to what was happening. And people often say, don't they, there's no stupid questions. There is definitely stupid questions about anime. And apparently, according to Hudson, I asked each and every one of them. So, yeah, I think at one point he was just like, why are you here? But it's okay. It's okay. We had a great time. But we, or just as a slight side, is there any anime fans in the building? No, great. That's exactly where I was expecting. But so I sat through a Q&A with someone who, as it turns out, is a pretty big deal in the world of anime. They're the voice of, how do you say it? Naruto. Nobody knows, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, apparently they're like a huge deal. And Hudson, bless him, was like on the edge of his seat, living his best life, dressed in his favorite costume for anime with his little friend. They were laughing their heads off at all these jokes. They were nodding in agreement at things that were said. He was like empathizing with memories of moments that have happened in this show. And I was literally clueless the whole time. I couldn't appreciate the jokes. I couldn't understand the discussion. And in comparison to Hudson, I, I couldn't ever have that same experience as him because I didn't know where I was and I didn't understand whose presence I was in. So looking at our passage, whenever I read this little story, if you like, about these altar builders, I kind of imagine them finishing their project and they're sort of heading down to the local pub, pubs in Greek times, we'll go with it. And they sit there and they congratulate themselves, well done lads, we've built all the altars, we've done it. And then one of them just says, oh guys, what if we forgot one? And they're like, no, we kind of forgot one, we've got loads, we've got them all, definitely got them all. And he's like, yeah, but what if we forgot, what if there's a God that we don't even know and we forgot to put an altar up to him, right? So there's like, panic, mild panic is setting in with these people. And then one of them says, I've got it. We'll make an altar to the unknown God. Because then, if there's a God that we don't know about, or there's a God that we've forgotten, we've covered it. 
We've covered our bums. We've caught all the gods. We're all good, right? So they, are, they make this altar, and everybody's happy. And then Paul walks along, just like, you idiot. And they're like, what? I can't believe it. And Paul just points out to them, like, you have missed the point. You've missed the point. No, Paul says to them, you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship. You can't make an altar to someone you don't know and worship at it. That's, that's madness, isn't it? That is ignorance. But they don't understand what they're saying. They call him a babbler. He's talking to them about Jesus, and they think he's just talking about foreign gods because they don't understand who he's talking about. Athens at that time was considered to be like the university city, if you like, of the world. It had been home to many of the great philosophers and was like an epicenter of knowledge and art. So the passage says that the people of Athens spent their time listening and debating all the latest ideas. These are like the cutting edge minds of the time. So when Paul comes in, who, as I'm told, it wasn't the most educated of people, is that right? Yeah. And he calls these guys idiots. That must have been a massive ego, <laughs> ego hit. And uh, fairly strong language, I think, probably given the context. These people were the most enlightened minds of their time, and they had no idea about who God was. They called Paul a babbler, like I said, because they just didn't understand. Ignorance is definitely not bliss. Religion doesn't equate to relationship. Going to church each week and saying all the right things at the right time in liturgy isn't the same as knowing God and having a relationship with him. All of those things can be super helpful in your daily walk with God, but on their own, they fall short of everything that God had intended for us in relationship. So how do we pursue relationship with Jesus? How can we invest and devote ourselves to relationship with him? So the first thing I want to talk to you about is daily devotion. Which, if you're like me, whenever you hear the word devotion, you think, oh, that's a bit boring. It feels a bit like there's a lot of pressure on me on my own to kind of carry this and make this work. And I find it really hard. I, if I sit down and try and read my Bible or pray on my own, I quite often find myself thinking about something else. And then I think, oh, I don't even know how long I've been thinking about something else. Just literally, my mind has gone off. So I have to work really hard at this one, and I'm sure some of you do too. But it's super important. Before coming home last Saturday, Hudson and I decided to pop in on some old friends um, that were in the area that we were staying. And they're mine and Matt's closest friends, Jamie and Danielle. And we left them behind when we came down here. We left them behind in Coventry. But our friendship with these guys started about 13 years ago when they were going through like a really tricky time. And together, we have navigated fertility struggles, pregnancy loss, grief, job promotions, job frustrations, holidays, relationship issues, financial issues, dream job offers, pregnancies, visa rejections, and the list goes on. I reckon Danielle and I have drunk maybe... I did a small calculation, a rough calculation. I reckon it's about 800 cups of coffee <laughs> together, talking about all the big stuff and all the stupid stuff. We've done it with babies in tow. We've done it with toddlers in tow. And then, most gloriously, we've done it on our own when all the kids were at school. <laughs> Got to drink a hot cup of coffee together. That was new. Um, we have seen each other at our very best and also at our very worst. They know everything about us, and we know everything about them. We've had the most vulnerable, honest conversations with them. We know them. We're known by them. My plan was to pop in for about an hour, grab a cup of tea, quick catch-up before coming home. But I sat there for three hours, and I'll be honest with you, I just didn't want to go home. We caught up on the big stuff and the small stuff of life. 
And it was just, just lovely just to be with them. It was easy. Um, having spent day in, day out together, our relationship is, is not tricky. It's one that is comfortable. You know, it's those people you can sit in silence with and you don't have to, you don't have to say anything and it's easy. Um, their relationship brings uh, refreshment and lightness to my often tired bones. <laughs> and this is exactly how we should feel when we've spent time in God's presence. Time in his presence should, be, should bring refreshment and revelation. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all th- well, not all, th- all three Gospels plus the one, you know what I mean. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And some of them say, uh, the disciples reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus presses them, and he was like, yeah, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And I'm pretty sure that Jesus already know exactly who they thought he was. And this is Jesus' prompting to encounter a personal relationship with him. It doesn't matter what everybody else says about him. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Committing ourselves to doing life with Jesus is vital if we want to encounter a depth of relationship with him. Regularly talking with him or sharing vulnerably with him, listening to him and taking time to find out who he is by reading the Bible are all really important ways of daily devoting our lives to him. It isn't enough to know what Matt Bray or Gareth Harper or even Faith Martin thinks about, <laughs> about Jesus. You, you have to take time to find out for yourself. You have to invest in that personal relationship. It's a great starting point to know what other people think, but it's vital that we pursue personal relationship with him ourselves. So that's daily devotion. The second thing I want to look at is weekly worship. And by weekly worship, I mean the time that we have together here on a Sunday. It doesn't mean you can't worship outside of this time, for the record. Um, but I'm talking about our corporate times of worship. So daily devotion and weekly worship are intertwined because it's our daily devotion that fuels that weekly worship. So I just want to take a slight sidestep and actually look at what worship is just for a few minutes. Thankfully, <laughs> worship isn't about performance. It's not about note-perfect singing or <laughs> playing all the right chords in all the right places. Some of you might have seen this before, but a well-known worship leader, Martin Smith, was leading at an event on keys. And there's just this moment where everyone's just in the presence, just resting in the presence. He moves his Bible. I assume he's about to share something. Um, And this massive drum groove starts. And his face is very confused. And you can see him thinking, like, what is the drummer doing? <laughs> what is he playing at? And he slowly turns. So I was trying to keep this, like, and he looks at the drummer, who's like, it's not me. So he, <laughs> he looks back, and again, you, his face is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, and he looks to the rest of the band, who are like, Pfft. and he picks up his Bible off the button on the keyboard that he's accidentally pressed. And his face is like, oh my gosh, it's me, it's my fault, I've ruined it. And if worship was about performance, or about the moments that we as worship leaders create, then we'd all be in massive trouble, because we do it wrong, we get it wrong, we mess it up. And I love that moment, I love watching that little clip of Martin Smith. I think I've got a little, have I got a little photo of his face? That's his face when he realises, right? Now, I've never actually pulled that face, like, 
physically, but I've definitely pulled that face inside in moments of leading worship. Um, but it's not about, yeah, it's not about us. It's not about how, play, how well we play or we sing or the slickness of these moments. Worship is our purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, the chief end of humankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So even though we use music and songs as a way to facilitate our worship together, that isn't what worship is. Worship is about encounter. It's about Jesus. And part of the vision of Bay Church is to see Jesus loved. And that is us together on a Sunday in our gathered time of corporate worship. Um, Matt Redman, who is a famous, he's a well-known worship leader, he says, when we face up to the glory of God, we find ourselves face down in worship. And I think that is just so poignant that the more you get to know him, the more natural worship is, the more obvious <laughs> worship is as a response. Encountering Jesus and meeting with our loving creator has to be the only reason for worship. To see Jesus loved has to be the driver behind our Sunday meetings. Otherwise, it's all lovely and it's all great and it's all fun, but that's all it's ever going to be. So how much more lovely and how much more great and how much more fun will it be when Jesus, I say will be like it's not happening, but you know, how much more lovely and great and fun is it when Jesus is in the center, in his rightful place? Weekly worship has a totally different purpose to daily devotion. So in Isaiah 6, I think this might be my favorite insight into corporate worship together. And it says this, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I just want to draw your attention to the fact that it says they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They were telling each other about how, God, how holy God is. Now, let's be really honest. The seraphims all knew how holy God was. They didn't need each other to tell each other. <laughs> they were all saying it. They all knew it. But there is something so powerful about saying something out loud about public declaration. On Baptism Sunday, in a few weeks, the guys being baptized will say out loud why they're going to be baptized, why they want to be baptized, what Jesus has done in their life. They'll give a testimony and that public declaration is really powerful. The seraphim, uh, this isn't an eyes closed personal moment that the seraphim are having with Jesus. This is a moment they're all having together. This is a corporate moment where they're reminding each other and encouraging each other. They weren't trying to shut out the other seraphims. So they could really get into his presence because the other guys are super distracting with their out of tune singing. No, <laughs> they were not. <laughs> no judgment if that's, you know. <laughs> Um, this is something they were doing together as a whole. They were seeking an encounter, seeking his presence together. So that's public declaration in terms of weekly worship. We also have encouragement. I feel like I've touched on encouragement already, but whatever. We are one body singing together on a Sunday morning in our musical worship. And I am here to tell you that your voice really matters, whether you can sing in tune or not. It doesn't matter God is not interested in how tuneful you are. He loves it, but he loves it all the same when you're out of tune. 
Your daily devotion-fueled worship, weekly worship, combined with my daily devotion-fueled weekly worship, and the worship crews, and the people around you, and everyone else in this building coming together should be the most exciting moment of our week. You have a part to play, and it's so much better when we're all in it together because we all have something to bring. We all have a voice. We all have a part to play. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to be able to stand here most weeks and see what's going on. I get a front row seat to you guys worshipping your socks off. And I'd like to just caveat that by saying I'm not ever just watching, weirdly, <laughs> making notes or grading or anything like that. But some weeks you really notice, and it's a privilege to be able to see it. Sometimes it's people jumping up and down with huge smiles on their faces or on their knees. Sometimes it's people at the back dancing, and it's all beautiful. It's a huge privilege for me to see that, like I said. And I think part of the joy of weekly worship is that we get to encourage and be encouraged by each other. That's what the seraphim were doing. They were encouraging each other. And I've been really moved to see people who I know privately are going through really tricky times. And then I've seen them lost in absolute worship and adoration. And I can't tell you how encouraging that is for me. It tells me a lot about their daily devotion, which ultimately is none of my business, but that is an encouragement. It's a challenge to me. What is your daily devotion doing? How is your daily devotion fueling this weekly worship? Seeing the impact of someone's personal relationship with Jesus that's different to mine is so encouraging. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And when we come together on a Sunday morning and sing, This is our God... This is what he does. He loves us. He saves us. We join, when we join with the saints and the angels, when we shout out to each other, hey, Matt, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? That's what we're doing. I would never do that. It would be really weird. But, you know, you get the point, right? Our daily devotions are what underpins and fuels this weekly worship, and it should be really exciting and really encouraging. Time in Jesus' presence is the best. Psalm 84.10 says that one day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. And the more we know God, the more we're known by him, the deeper our time in his presence can be. And it does take time and it takes practice, if you like. Investment and journeying through life with him that bring a depth of relationship and an ease in worship. I feel really privileged that God called me, I don't know how many years ago, 20? <laughs> oh dear. Um, and I've been able to walk this journey, it's ups and downs, for 20 years, and I get to stand here today with some insight and some wisdom. There's going to be some of you here who've been walking it double the length of time that I have, or triple, and some of you who've been walking it just today. <laughs> All of those stories are valid. All of us have something to bring. All of us have something to share. And the great thing is, wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, you're at the best point to get to know him more. Today is the best point to get to know more. You'll never reach the end of him. So whether this is your first day at church, this is the first you've ever heard about this guy called Jesus, or you've been in relationship with him for 50 years, there's still more. There's still more of him to know. There is still more depth to his presence for us to encounter. Amen. <laughs>